try that again. I want you to take a moment and reflect on who you are, who you are as a person, who you are as a parent, who you are as a friend, who you are as a sibling, as someone's child, as someone's spouse or partner or lover, who you are as a working professional. Consider what makes you unique from others and what makes you similar and what do you think of yourself and what do you want others to think about you. Consider these things. These are no doubt personalities that have been carefully crafted over the years that combine the person that you are with the person that you want to be and the way you see yourself with the way you want others to see you. And now think about your soul. I know that's a, a very strange thing. Our secular lives are easy to picture. Our souls are not, but humor me. Consider your soul. How do you feel connected to God? Where do you experience the divine? Are you struggling? Do you feel faithful? Are you content with how God is moving through you? Does the concept of eternal life startle you or excite you, or is it just too hard to picture? In the same way we want other people to view our ideal versions of ourselves, consider how you want God to view your soul with kindness, with goodness, or perhaps feelings of confliction, anger, and concern. Our culture teaches us to have many different versions of the self. Your public life is one thing, and I see that at social gatherings, Facebook posts, but your private life is likely something else. You can let your guard down a little, you can tell a few Dirty jokes, maybe talk about politics in a way that you wouldn't to others. And your faith life is separate from all of this. Sure, it's okay to be a little religious, to go to church, but you don't want to make a big deal about it. After all, as we see in scripture today, not even Jesus likes a proselytizer. And anyway, how does my faith life inform my politics, my shopping choices, and the jokes I tell? It shouldn't, right? I can be who I want to be. Ash Wednesday, and by extension Lent, are supposed to be another box to check off, another self to present to the world, another identity to cultivate. I'm giving up chocolate, I'm giving up shopping, I'm giving up alcohol, I'm giving up sports. Let me present another self to the general public, another version of me that will have consequences for my soul because, let's face it, I'm mortifying my existence by not eating chocolate to please God. And why? Because that's what you do for Lent, right? You give up stuff that's supposed to make God happy, maybe get some points with the afterlife. The power of tonight is indeed not division, not our different selves, not our different versions, but unity. In reading the gospel text, Jesus talks about the things to do and not to do. Now on the one level, we can read this list of words as a list to follow 
for believing in God, and you know that's all well and good. But in a deeper sense, Jesus is bringing our different selves together under a common identity. We cannot separate who we are in the eyes of God for convenience's sake. We are the same person when we work, when we were at home, and when we are in private prayer. God sees us at our best and at our worst. The hypocrites that Jesus mentions play out one version of themselves in public, making grand shows of all the good things that they are doing for God, while presenting another drastically different version in private. But God sees everything, and God knows who we are better than we do. For tonight we remember that God created us from the dust of the earth. And in our baptism, our one self was bound to Jesus Christ. And as we are baptized into Christ Jesus, we are baptized into a death like his. Therefore, tonight and Lent are not about how we want to be portrayed in society. Tonight and Lent are about our broken, busted, imperfect selves that will someday return to dust. Strip away all the false fronts and the sad pretensions, and we are reminded that we have nothing to hide from God. Not because God is just always looking for us to screw up or, you know, point out our sins, our weaknesses, our flaws, but because God has given us a body and a soul, and those two are not two different things. They are inextricably linked. Our treatment of our physical and mental health is respectively different, but fundamentally similar to how we treat God and treat others in our spiritual life. All that we do, any version of ourselves that we want to present, is a measure of who we are as God's children, for better or worse. Now the ashes we wear tonight, they give us one identity. The ashes give us one self. They are the biblical symbol of repentance. They say that I am not good enough. They say that you are a wretched sinner. They say that we have fallen short of the glory of God. They say that all of us are truly sorry and humbly repent. That's our identity. They are a great equalizer. They take away all of our false fronts. And they remind us that no, the world does not revolve around us, that God will not judge us based solely on our good side, that no, not eating chocolate on Lent will satisfy a multitude of sins, that yes, we are complicit in nasty, nasty systems of racism, inequality, and patriarchy, and many others, even if we would never consider ourselves racist or poor-shaming, or women-hating, or homophobic, the ashes say to take me as what I am, a sinner. But God does take us as such. For though Jesus had no sins to repent of, Jesus did the same walk that we do. Jesus went through the same highs and lows of human life, and Jesus, too, was returned to dust. We sometimes say, well, if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. And if for us, the life that Christ led ends in the tomb, then perhaps we should not be so upset about dying. Therefore, we can humble ourselves as we are taught to do in this passage, 
because we know that we follow the one who practices what he preaches. And though I don't want to spoil the surprise that is waiting for us at the end of these 40 days, we hold firm to the faith that death does not have the last word. That we will return to dust, but that God will call us back in bodily and spiritual form, and we will be made new. Yet for these 40 days, we ponder, we pray, we fast, and you know, maybe we do give up something, but not because we want to be one of the hypocrites, not because we want to put on another false front or another identity or another better sense of self. Rather, maybe we give up something because we actually want to, for once, just once, make an effort to be closer to God. And more importantly, we look at our many selves. Now, surely, you cannot be the same person to me that you can to your close family and friends. But you can remember that God is there for you in every persona which you present. And in every variation of yourself, you can be the blessed, wonderful child of God that you are, risen from the ashes, because you are baptized, bound on a course to return to dust, but with a faith that something greater will come. Amen.